Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today, I'm welcoming back Dr. Becky Campbell. We did a podcast a while ago. It's podcast number 97, The Seven Hidden Triggers That Are Keeping You Sick. So be sure to check that podcast out. I loved Dr. Becky Campbell's message, and she just came out with a brand new book about histamine intolerance. And I probably bet that you haven't heard too much about histamine uh, intolerance, but I think once you've heard Dr. Becky Campbell's message, I think you're going to have a few ahas on this podcast. So Dr. Becky is a board-certified doctor of natural medicine specializing in functional medicine and clinical nutrition. She's the founder of drbeckycampbell.com, and the author of another great book that I have on my bookshelf, The 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan. So all of you PCOS divas that have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, you definitely want to check that book out. But I would love to welcome you, Dr. Becky, back onto the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here. So your new book, The Four-Phase Histamine Reset Plan, Getting to the Root of Migraines, Eczema, Vertigo, Allergies, and More, was a real eye-opener for me. It's a, it's a beautiful book. It's almost like a cookbook. There's like tons of recipes and beautiful pictures in the back. Uh, but the, the real meat of the book is in where you're really talking about Uh, the symptoms of histamine intolerance, what are the root factors, and then you have your four-step reset. But I would love for you to um, maybe, you know, I like to start with your story because I think you have a powerful story, um, and I think that there's a lot of women listening that can uh, probably relate quite a bit. So, yeah, share your story. Yeah, so I, you know, I can say I probably never felt great. Um, Even as a kid, there were things now looking back, I realized were histamine related. Um, You know, I had trouble with heat. I would pass out in the heat a lot. I would get hives sometimes for no reason. Um, I would get migraines. I was just really tired all the time. 
And then when I was in college, I gained a bunch of weight and for no reason. I mean, I never had a weight problem before. And I was getting, you know, really bad brain fog and just thought it was the stress of being in medical school, you know. So then um, I kind of went from doctor to doctor looking to see what was wrong. No one could really figure it out. And then I found a natural medicine, like holistic kind of center where they discovered I had a thyroid issue, um, which is, you know, now we know is Hashimoto's disease. So I did a lot of work with diet and with the gut and, um, you know, got, you know, I was on medication for a little while and then got off and my thyroid was really good. But there were some symptoms that were left over for the next about decade that I just never really understood. And um, it was, you know, really related to like food or environment. And so if I was, you know, eating something and it would be a healthy food, like let's say I was eating fermented food, which I love fermented foods, um, I would get a headache right away and I would get these weird tingling sensations on my scalp. And I would flush, my heart would race, you know, different symptoms. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. So that happened for a while. And then I started reading and learning about histamine and what it is and, you know, what it does in the body and um, not being able to break it down and histamine intolerance. And then eventually mast cell activation syndrome is what I got diagnosed with, um, which is one of the leading causes of histamine intolerance. So then once I figured everything out, um, I, you know, got, took the, the foods out of my diet and did some more work on myself and, you know, live a very normal life at this point. And I knew that there had to be so many people struggling with this. And I started seeing so many people in my practice with it. And that's what eventually led me to write this second book was because I wanted to spread the word on this because a lot of people aren't discussing it. Yeah, and, and I wanted to have you on the podcast because I'm seeing in the PCOS Diva private Facebook groups that there are a lot of women posting about symptoms of histamine intolerance. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't think that it's something that's on people's radar. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they may not even know what histamine is. So I want yeah. you to explain that. Um, but you talk about symptoms. Uh, like migraines and hives and flushing. Uh, And those are what I'm hearing from women uh, with PCOS that are experiencing the same thing. So tell us first off, what is histamine and uh, maybe explain a bit about histamine histamine intolerance and then talk to us about the different symptoms that are related. Okay. So, you know, when people hear the word histamine, their, their first thought is antihistamine, right? Because antihistamine medications. So I think that people associate it as being a bad thing. And it's actually an amazing thing that it's, you know, we have to have in the body um, when it's working properly. So basically, let's say you have an allergen. So, or, you know, let's say you get a virus, your, you know, immune system will, alert your mast cells, release some histamine, which will dilate your blood vessels and cause inflammation. And then your white blood cells can come in and attack that virus. Um, In addition to that, it's also really helpful in um, releasing hydrochloric acid, which is pertinent to our gut health. 
And it's the good message. Um, you know, it's, it's like a chemical messenger between the body and the brain. So it's something that we really need. What happens when, when you, histamine is released is after it, its job is done, the body sends in these enzymes to break down the histamine and then we're, not, we're back to where we were before. Well, many of us are lacking, you know, the main enzyme is this enzyme called DAO. And many of us are, are lacking whether it's an ability to produce it or just, you know, for whatever reason, it's, um, it's, it's being pushed down as far as how much we have. And so that it's not doing its job of breaking down the histamine properly. And so the histamine's just sitting out in the bloodstream and there's so many histamine receptors all over the body that it's, it's getting into all these receptors and it's causing symptoms all over the body. And this is one of the reasons it can be really confusing and really hard to diagnose because if you go to your doctor and you have all these weird symptoms, which I'm going to go over in a minute, they don't really know what to do with you. So I'm going to talk about some of the main um, symptoms, but there's a, there's a lot of symptoms related to this. But migraines, um, especially because the vessels are dilated, that tends to cause migraines. So um, it doesn't have to be a migraine. You can have other headaches that are related, but it's usually migraines. Um, congestion or runny nose. You know, I always say if you're eating something and your nose is running and it's a high histamine food, you probably have a histamine intolerance. Low blood pressure can be pretty common. You know, people that often feel dizzy or lightheaded. Um, but then it's like a higher heart rate, actually. So it's, it's called tachycardia. So some people will be eating. And like I said, this has happened to me before and their heart rate starts going faster. And that's something that the histamine buildup is doing in the body. Um, hives, but you don't have to have hives to have histamine intolerance. I think people think you have to have hives or you don't have it. And you, I've seen many people who've never had hives who have it. Um, flushing, you know, if you're someone who gets red easily, whether it's if you're embarrassed, you turn red quickly or you work out and you get really red and it's like you don't come back down to your normal color quickly, that's a really big sign. Um, vertigo is really common. Eczema is really, really common. Anxiety is really common. It can cause abnormalities in your menstrual cycle. So it's really so widespread, these symptoms, um, but they're a lot of people have a lot of them, and some people just have one or two. Diarrhea, you know, some people will tell me, like, I just randomly got diarrhea, and that's, t t you know, typically a histamine response as well. So if you're somebody that really suffers with seasonal allergies, is that kind mm -hmm. of a um, slam dunk that you have histamine intolerance? Yeah, I mean, it depends. I think that some people have like allergies, like they're really like allergic to certain things that bloom in different times of the year. Um, and that raises their histamine levels, but then they're fine. Otherwise, that may not exactly be the same thing as someone who just has histamine intolerance in general. Um, but yeah, anytime you can't break down histamine the way other people do, you typically have an intolerance to it. So you had uh, mentioned, you know, talking to your doctor about these symptoms and they don't really know what to do with you. So let me ask you, if I were to go into my general practitioner's office and say to him, 
you know, I think I have histamine intolerance. And I remember mm-hmm. doing this probably 10 years ago about with gluten. I think I'm gluten yeah. intolerant. And I remember look, they'd look at me like with this real confused look on their face. Like, right. Um, so is this kind of like uh, the new gluten intolerance? In terms I think of, so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it is because um, it's like I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but I think that there's different types of doctors. There's types of doctors who are very big into research and learn, they're very open to learning new things. And there's other types of doctors who learn what they learn in medical school and that's as far as they're really willing to go and they're kind of closed off and, and thinking outside the box or whatever. So I think it all depends on, on what type of person you're seeing. Um, but, it, you know, if if you do go to a doctor who is open to learning new things, they probably have heard about this because it is being researched now. You know, like people are, this is getting out there and people are talking about it. But you're always going to have those situations where you go to your doctor and they roll their eyes and say, diet has nothing to do with your health. I mean, like some people literally, or many people tell me that their doctor told them, you know, gluten is fine if you have thyroid issue. That's ridiculous. And like, we know that it's not. So yeah, I think this is the same thing. People are, you know, are saying, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as histamine intolerance. I mean, I've had many patients who tell me that their doctor said that. So if it's really upon us, I think as PCOS divas, you know, to do the research and thank you for writing your book because this kind of gives us the tools that we need so that we can start advocating for ourselves. And, and of course your book is all um, cited, you know, at the end of the book with, yeah. with different, um, you know, resources and references. Uh, but, you know, I would love for you to just, quickly go through your your histamine intolerance quiz before we move forward i think that gives you you know gives listeners a little bit more of a sense of whether this might be something they're dealing with yeah so i wanted to put together the things that i kind of hear the most and i know from having this myself um what i suffer with the most so it's it makes it easier for you to identify um, so these are just some of the things, and it doesn't mean that you have to have all of them or even that you have to have any of them, but it's mostly what I hear and see the most. So um, I put a quiz in the book. The first question is, do you ever get fatigued after eating certain foods other than high-sugar foods? Because we know that you know eating high-sugar foods can definitely make you crash. So I wanted to know if you're eating something else. Like let's say you eat an avocado, which is high in histamine, or you eat a pickle or whatever, you know, something we'll, we'll go over the high histamine foods, I'm sure in a minute, but um, eating something that is not sugary, do you feel tired after? Um, that was definitely one of my biggest signs. I, every time I ate something high histamine, I was exhausted. I mean, almost like I took a sleeping pill. <coughs> so does your nose ever run while you're eating certain foods? Um, like I said, that's definitely a big sign. Do you suffer from vertigo or dizziness? Do you ever feel tightening in your throat after eating or even randomly? And a lot of people do, and they mistake that as a thyroid issue. And a lot of times it's not. It has more to do with histamine. And it can definitely be a thyroid issue. I don't want to steer people away from that. But um, if you don't have thyroid issues, and a lot of these actually run hand in hand, believe it or not. But um, but yes, yeah, so that, that's something common I hear people say. Um, do you have low blood pressure? 
So you don't have to have low blood pressure. There, you can actually have high blood pressure too. It's just more common to have low blood pressure because of the dilated blood vessels, but you can definitely have the opposite. Um, do you suffer from migraine headaches? Do you have skin issues like eczema, dermatitis, or psoriasis? <clears throat> do you experience anxiety or panic attacks? I know before I got diagnosed, I had panic attacks all the time. And um, they were they were what was happening with me was I was feeling these symptoms and I didn't know what they were, especially when you have feelings of stuff crawling on your scalp. It can be pretty scary. And I was getting panic attacks from my symptoms. Um, but in also, in addition to that, you're activating your sympathetic nervous system. And so that actually can cause, you know, when, when that happens, like if you have stress, your, your cortisol raises, that activates your sympathetic nervous system, and then that activates your mast cells to release more histamine. So it's this kind of vicious cycle. Um, do you experience any unwanted symptoms after eating fermented foods because they tend to be the highest in histamine? Do you experience any unwanted wanted symptoms after eating leftover foods? Because the longer food sits, the more histamine it produces. And people think you can cook histamine out and you can't, but you can freeze food. And I teach people how to do this in my book, um, how to freeze everything just so you can stop that histamine from being produced. Um, and then the last one was, does your face get red easily and stay that way during or after a workout? So if you can identify with some of these or a lot of these, the chances of you having histamine intolerance are very high. So I wanted you to talk about um, the, the root cause, the causes that you've outlined in your, in your book or some of them as to why you might have histamine intolerance. Um, you know, I'm wondering about autoimmune issues. Like if you're already predisposed to autoimmune like you had um, have Hashimoto's. Right. Does that make you more predisposed to histamine intolerance? Yeah. So when I was doing the research for this book, I can tell you there aren't a lot of articles, you know, on uh, peer reviewed articles that show the relationship between histamine and thyroid, but there was some and they are in the re reference section of my book. And I did create a chart because I have both of these things and I see many patients who have both. And I was like, I know that there is a connection here. So I really wanted to learn about that. So, so this is kind of how it works. So with hypothyroidism, which is too little thyroid hormone, um, you're getting going to get an increase in mast cell production, which is going to increase your histamine production. And then if you add in something like a DAO enzyme, that enzyme that breaks down histamine, like if you add in that genetic mutation or just a decrease in that enzyme, you're going to have histamine intolerance. So then I was able to actually find a study that showed the link between histamine intolerance and the development of autoimmune disorders. So it's like one causes the other, you know, it's this vicious cycle. And then with hyperthyroidism, a lot of us don't talk about hyperthyroidism, and I, I know my, my thyroid people always get upset. They're like, what about us hyperthyroid people? So um, that with hyperthyroidism, it's, it's almost the same mechanism, just a little bit different. It actually increases um, the histamine receptors that you have. 
And so then that increases the response to histamine in the body and then back into the histamine intolerance and back into the development of autoimmune disorders. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, you know, a lot of women with PCOS have autoimmune thyroid issues. So yeah. this, so if you're experiencing these, some of these symptoms or if the, that quiz, if you answered, you know, more than a couple, this is, you have to get this book. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell us some of the, the other root factors? And yeah, I, I think women with PCOS, unfortunately, you know, we already sort of have the chips uh, against us in terms mm-hmm. of hormonal balance. Um, yeah. Yeah. So go ahead, Dr. Beck. So I think that the leading cause is mast cell activation syndrome. And I know most people don't know at all what that is. So um, mast cell activation syndrome and histamine intolerance present pretty much the same. And those with mast cell activation syndrome have histamine intolerance, but the, here's the difference. So remember how I talked about histamine being released because your immune system is trying to fight off some type of pathogen. So that is the normal role of histamine in the body. Well, with mast cell activation syndrome, you're going to get act, um, abnormal activation of the nerve or of the um, immune system. So let me give an example. Let's say, remember I told you I used to pass out in the heat a lot. So with those with activation syndrome, something like weather, whether it's too being cold or hot, can make your body start releasing a bunch of histamine. And it sees that weather as a threat the same way that it would have seen the virus as a threat, but it's really not a threat. So that can happen with almost 200 different things. There's about 200 different things. You know, that's so interesting because yesterday I posted um, a video, an infographic um, article about seasonal affective disorder. And some of the comments that I was getting on social media women were saying that, you know what, I don't really have a hard time in the winter. It's the summer that I'm really having a hard time with. Yeah. Um, People will say they're allergic to the sun. Um, and it's, it's because the heat, well, for one, heat makes you heat on your body, makes you release histamine. Number two, if you have mass activation syndrome, like I said, there's about 200 different triggers. So abnormal things that would not be normally seen as a threat by the immune system are causing your body to act like there's a threat in your immune system and release these inflammatory cytokines, and histamine is one of them. So the mast cell activation um, is, is kind of the major factor, but you talk about some other factors as well. Yes. Yeah, so um, leaky gut, you know, we all talk about leaky gut a lot. You know, leaky gut is a real thing. You know, I think there's a lot of debate on whether it is or not, but it definitely is. And leaky gut causes a lot of inflammation in the body. So inflammation causes an increase in histamine, number one. So that's kind of where this is tied in. Um, But also leaky gut can really decrease that DAO enzyme. Um, so when you're, dec- like I said, there's different reasons. Either it's like a genetic factor that you're not releasing as much DAO as you should, or it's something like the things I'm going to go through right now that are actually decreasing the enzyme itself. So leaky gut is one of those things. But then also gut bacteria, 
you know, we want good gut bacteria, but we don't want opportunistic bacteria. And so some of that opportunistic bacteria increases histamine and increases inflammation in the gut. So that is going to be, again, if you can't break down the histamine properly, that's going to be a problem. And also the primary place that DAO is produced is in the gut. So if you have an unhealthy gut microbiome, you're not going to have proper levels of that DAO enzyme. So that's why the number one thing besides diet that I do, well, besides diet and liver support that I do with my patients with histamine intolerance is I go straight to the gut and I test to see what's going on in there. And then we, you know, work to support that accordingly. So, because that can make a huge difference. Like you can clean up your gut and you can tolerate so many more foods and, And that's obviously, you know, the whole purpose of what I do is to not put you on a restrictive diet for the rest of your life. It's to get you to live as as a normal life as possible, feel the best that you can, eat as many foods as you can. But, you know, obviously we want to, we're always going to want to keep foods that are going to cause inflammation out of your body. But some of the high histamine foods are really nutrient dense. I want you to be able to eat some of these foods again. So that's kind of why we work on these underlying causes. Um, I was just going to say, speaking of the high histamine foods, can you sort of tell us what yeah, those yeah. are? Um, so anything fermented, you know, fermentation causes, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I have like, I ate something right before we started talking and it's just sitting in my throat. Um, so, okay. So, uh, fermented foods cause a histamine producing bacteria. So that's why they're so high in histamine. Um, but so we talked a little bit about leftovers and that whole thing. So leftovers, um, avocado, unfortunately, everyone's going to cry when they hear that because everyone loves avocado. Um, some citrus fruits. Sometimes people can do okay with a lemon or a lime and not oranges or, you know, I, I have a yes, no, and maybe list because I want you to try some of the foods in the maybe list to see how you do. And I'm just having you eliminate the biggest offenders at first. Um, what about carrots? I'm just curious because my son cannot eat carrot like raw carrots. No, they don't, they don't tend to be. High oh, okay. mean, yeah. Um, that can just be an actual food sensitivity. So um, strawberries, um, tomato, bananas, um, eggplant, spinach, really most vegetables are okay, which is good, but eggplant and spinach tend to be an issue. Um, alcohol, especially red wine, um, even white wine, but red is worse, and like beer, champagne, those type of things. Um, some nuts are higher in histamine than others, like cashews and walnuts are really high in histamine. Vinegars, there are, I do talk about vinegar um, in detail in the book. There are some vinegars that are okay, and I give recipes with those vinegars because, you know, it's hard to eat a salad if you can't eat lemon, make a dressing out of lemon or vinegar. So, um, and then even some spices like cinnamon, um, curry can be an issue. Some people don't do well paprika, and some people are so severe they can't have any dried herbs. They have to use everything fresh. So this is like things that I teach you how to experiment with in the book. Um, but those are kind of the 
biggest hitters, I'd say, is the stuff I named. So can you see crossover on food sensitivity panels, uh, those foods that you might be sensitive to? Could it be because of histamine? Because I'm thinking about my husband. He has cinnamon is really high on his list, Mm -hmm. um, as well as um, anything with, like, brewer's yeast or baker's yeast. Yeah. Um, so that's the vinegars, the wine. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, so how do you know whether it's a true sensitivity versus a histamine food that you're reacting well, to? Well, to be honest with you, I used to do a food sensitivity test on all of my patients in the very beginning. And then I realized that most food sensitivities come from gut issues, like, you know, especially leaky gut. Because your body just starts targeting everything as like an, an invader and just responding with inflammation once your gut gets really leaky. <clears throat> so instead of doing that, I started doing treating the gut first. And then I would see if they were still having food issues, then I would do a food sensitivity panel. I almost never have to because I can figure it out. So with with histamine intolerance, I have, you know, everyone, in, whether they, they're just doing the book or they're a patient, I have them keep really um, thorough uh, food, daily food trackers. So I want you to write down like everything you're eating and your symptoms. And you tend to see like a, a pattern, you know, so that's kind of, and if it's with, all, you're seeing it with these histamine foods, it's a histamine intolerance, you know that. Then... If your gut is really, really healthy and you're still having a reaction to other foods that aren't histamine, high histamine, then that's really a true food sensitivity. That makes sense. So one of the steps in your book is to heal your, your liver or love your liver. Mm-hmm. And women with PCOS you know, were at higher risk for uh, fatty liver. And I'm wondering if that comes into a play with histamine intolerance? Well, I think that, you know, one of the jobs of your liver is to help balance our hormones, right? <clears throat> so if you're, if you have, um, you know, some, some ish go, issues going on with your liver, which most of us do, if you haven't supported your liver because of everything we're taking in, whether it's what we're putting on our skin you know, the makeup we're using, the skincare we're using, the stuff we're cleaning our house with, so many people wear perfume. Um, and so those things are, you know, raising our estrogen. And, and then if our liver's congested, we can't clear that estrogen out properly. Um, I think that that is a big place that the liver plays a role with PCOS because we know with PCOS you have these imbalances in hormones more so than some other people might. So I, I think that that's probably the biggest place that those two kind of connect. You have some really great tips in your book about supporting your liver. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I was hoping maybe you could give us a couple. Before we- yeah. So, I mean, I personally take liver support via a supplement every day. Um, I'm very busy. Some of these things can take time, a lot of time to do. I wanted to give options, though, for people what's based on different budgets, you know, or just what you like, you know? So, um, so there's obviously supplements. I have a supplement on my line called liver love that I think is, is an amazing supplement, but you don't have to do it that way. You can do Epsom salt baths. 
Um, they're really helpful for um, detoxification support. Um, castor oil packs can be really effective. I remember when I was really, really sick. I <clears throat> about two years ago, maybe at this point, was living in mold, and I did not know. And mold is one of the biggest triggers for mass activation. So obviously, I was just dumping tons of histamine, and I couldn't tolerate a supplement at all, any any supplements. And this is kind of what happens with people who are really, really bad with this. So I started using castor oil packs over my liver and it really helped me. I mean, it was what really made me um, able to get up and start moving and functioning and then able to start taking supplements and doing things that would help me, um, you know, pull the mold out and all that stuff. And then infrared saunas, um, those can be really good too. The only uh, thing I, th I say with infrared saunas is to be careful if you have like an eczema flare, you would not want to get in an infrared sauna at that point because it can actually make it worse. Um, and also some people who just don't do well with heat at all would not want to do the sauna. And dry brushing is something I didn't put in the book, but that's an, another thing that's really can be good because your body uses your skin to detox if your liver is not doing its job. But again, if you have like eczema on your arms, you're not going to want to be dry brushing that area. So you've given us like a, a lot of great tips. Um, I know the, uh, the supplement that I like for liver uh, support is N-acetylcysteine. Um, yes. Yeah. Something that I offer on um, my store. And for those that aren't familiar with castor oil packs, there's a lot of content on PCSDiva.com that we put up in the last year about castor oil. And uh, check that out. I have a podcast with Dr. Marisol Tajaru as well. Yeah, she's yeah. great. I love her. Yeah, the Queen of Thrones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah. if you want more information on that, I do. I think castor oil packs are great. Um, yeah, it really, really helped me. I mean, because some people can't. Some people, you know, if you have mast cell activation syndrome, you can be so sensitive to, to the, the very things you need for treatment. And you have to have this really gentle place to start. And that's where I will start people because it's like, like I said, it was the only thing I could tolerate, you know, at the time living in that mold. Again, I didn't know I was in mold. So I was trying to figure out what was wrong. Nothing was coming up on my testing and, and I couldn't understand what's happening. But I knew that I needed to support my liver. There was something there. And so that was really make, made a big difference. I would just lay there for about 45 minutes um, with the castor oil pack over my liver, and I, it, it really, really helped me. Yeah, and it's relaxing, too. It is very relaxing. I tell people, hey, try it once during the day and once at night because you may be the type of person that gets energy from it, and you may be the type of person that, that gets tired. Mm, so you have too. to figure out your good time of day to do it. <laughs> So if you uh, were listening and some of those symptoms sounds like you, I, I really recommend that you pick up a copy of Dr. Becky's book, Dr. Becky Campbell, The Four-Phase Histamine Reset Plan. We'll put a link to um, the, the book on Amazon in the show notes. And also check out Dr. 
beckycampbell.com. Um, tell us what kind of resources you have on your site. And also, if people want to work with you, how can they do that? Yeah, so I've written so many articles, um, whether it be on thyroid health, the gut, and or histamine. It's You go to health topics, and there's tons of stuff. Um, so I have a lot of resources on there. Um, and then I'm, I actually can give you guys, I have a histamine guide that it gives you an infographic of the foods, the highest histamine foods, and of the highest or the symptoms associated with histamine intolerance. And it's a very good way to home test yourself to see if you have histamine intolerance. You basically eat those foods, see if your symptoms get worse or if you get new symptoms, and then you take those foods away for a week or two and see if you feel better. And if you do, then you have histamine intolerance. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'll give you a link to that. Um, And then I work with people virtually, so I work with people all over the world. Um, You know, we talk, I do a really thorough history, and I do, you know, testing based on what I hear from our first consultation, and then based on whatever the testing says, like, we just start working to support the body. Great, and they can contact you through a contact form on your site? Yeah, on my website, it says um, set up a consultation. You can do it yourself. And on my Instagram and my bio, there's a clickable link, too. So, yeah. Perfect. And I know you you have a great Instagram um, (laughs) handle page as well. It's a lot of fun. Um, Tell us what that is. Yeah, I like to dance. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's at Dr. Becky Campbell. Um, and I just, I'm not a very serious person, you know, I do love to educate people, but I'm also super goofy. So, and I dance 24 hours a day around my house. So I, you will see all sorts of stuff on there. You'll see videos of me cooking. You'll see videos of me dancing and telling you what something is. You'll see me talking seriously about, I really like to answer people's questions. So like I, I take requests for questions and I make videos answering questions so people can figure out what's going on. Um, so yeah, I try to mix it up and keep it interesting on there. So we're going to post that infographic in the show notes and we always transcribe all of the podcasts. So be sure to check back at PCOSDiva.com for, for all of that, that information. But thank you so much, Dr. Becky, for coming back on and congratulations on your new book. And thanks for educating everyone about, um, histamine. This is so valuable. Well, thanks so much for having me back. And I, I, I love to, you know, educate people on this because not enough people are talking about it. So thank you for letting me do that. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, our doctors won't look at us with like the deer in the headlights, look mm-hmm. at, you know, after a while because of the work that you've done. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's crazy. I was talking to someone in, where were they? It wasn't Amsterdam. It was somewhere over there, though. Belgium. It was someone in Belgium. And he said, oh, my doctor in my in a doctor's office in Belgium gave me your book. And I was like, what? Oh, so I thought so that cool. was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the word is getting out. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. And thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I look forward to being with you very soon. Bye-bye. that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. 
And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.